You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the Wednesday edition. It's the well, hold on. Hey, before you go any further, Kent, are you <laughs> sure that you should be doing this? I think you're a little bit too big of a star oh, right man. now. He, Kent has been all over your TVs in Kansas City. Everybody, I, Maddie, do you think you should be doing this? Ma- Maddie, Maddie, are you okay? I'm sorry. I, I'm just starstruck being <laughs> on the chat with television's finest, Kent, oh my the Lord. Swan Dance Kid Swanson. And his mentor, Hollywood Hop. Like, who am I to be on this chat with these two? This is insane to me. Just welcome, Ken. Tell us, tell us how the life is as a television star. The only th- redeeming thing about this is that you still roped Craig into it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're. You know what? It's kind of crazy. People, people have have reached out about doing stuff about the guide, the Casey Draft Guide, which is now available to everyone. If you go to gum.co slash Casey Draft Guide 2020, uh, I was on with, with Danny Welniak this week. It was really cool. Uh, I think there's a couple other things that are lining up. I'm not going to talk about those, though. Superstar. Uh, yeah, you have to get in touch with your, you know, your secretary to get those plans. <laughs> this is... Craig, I'm starting to understand, buddy. Uh, and <laughs> the two fine people you're hearing... My dear pal, first find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie, how are you tonight? Oh, I'm, I am doing phenomenal, Kent. I am just glad that you are enjoying your time, your claim to fame here. And I can only oh, hope oh, that man. your star keeps ascending <laughs> to the national level. ESPN, Stephen A. Smith, look out. There's the new best hair in town. Oh, no. Craig. How are you doing today, bud? Man, I am magnifico, you guys. I am <laughs> I am Joey Magnifico right now. I got to hang out with the Kent Swanson tonight. It's it, this is amazing. I, I I am now gonna look forward to every podcast night with even more anticipation than I normally would. Kent would you like to talk about some football right now? Uh, you know, it's up to you. Whatever you feel like doing, man. You are the superstar here. I'd like to. I'd like to shut off this recording. <laughs> Do you I'd need like a bigger to. trailer? If we get you a bigger trailer, will you continue to podcast with us? <laughs> Fine. We've got. We're gonna do two positions tonight. We're gonna review the tackles, and we're gonna review the tight ends. If these two will just stop snickering for thirty minutes. Um, we're going to start with the offensive tackles. Here's what we do on this show. We look at the past. We look at the 2019 season for the position. And then we look to the future a little bit. Um, we look at, you know, the draft, the free agency. We're just, we're, we're bypassing free agency tonight. Talking about the, the draft for the tight ends and the tackles. Start with the tackles. Uh, Craig, how did the tackles do this year? 
I mean, I don't think you can complain too terribly much. Uh, Eric Fisher had an injury. That was really the only kind of down part about offensive tackle. Mitchell Schwartz had his snap streak broke for a snap or two, but he was largely the player that he has been with his time with the Chiefs. He was very good. And Eric Fisher, when he returned, was also very good. They were undefeated with both of those guys on the edges. Patrick Mahomes looked more comfortable. That's about all you can really hope for out of your offensive tackles. Yeah, I think we as a group kind of had a few worries about Mitchell Schwartz early on in the season just because he looked a little bit stiffer, just a little less comfortable than he had in years past, but he seemed to shake that pretty quick, and he was the same dominant all-pro level right tackle Mitchell Schwartz we've grown to know. Eric Fisher's path to being back to his normal self definitely took longer. I'd say we're looking at week 16, 17 before he looked like Eric Fisher again, but he carried that through the playoffs. Once he was healthy, he looked good. Obviously, the depth of tackle, when we got to see it, did not look good whatsoever. We'll get there. <laughs> I have a feeling that somebody has a chance to talk about that. We'll get a chance to talk about that on this podcast. But the starters, they were exactly what you thought they were going to be. Yeah, I mean, I think you largely have to be satisfied with what the tackle tackles did uh, over the course of the season. Um, one glaring, I think, weakness uh, from Eric Fisher was I, he had a really rough Super Bowl. <laughs> Trying to <laughs> trying to handle Nick Bosa, uh, he didn't handle Nick Bosa. Uh, but I think you've got to be satisfied with what you have. You're not trying to replace either of these guys this year. You're rolling with them in 2020 as the world champion Kansas City Chiefs look to defend. Uh, okay, Maddie, the biggest surprise at the tackle position. Man, I don't know if I have one. I mean, I think. The easiest one for me, I guess, to go with, and again, we're going to get even further into it, but Cam Irving being the swing tackle over Martinez Rankin, who they had traded for, or Andrew Wiley, who had played tackle the preseason the year before, as bad as Cam Irving was, could we have seen anybody else? It couldn't have been worse, I don't think. So I think just the surprise was they stuck with him the entire time. But outside that, I mean, I have nothing that surprised me besides the choice of swing tackle. Maybe maybe how long it took Eric Fisher to come back. I know core muscle injuries are rough. Like that's not an easy thing to come back from, especially as an offensive tackle where you're trying to, you know, use your brute strength a little bit more and you're having to engage your core a little bit more. But I maybe that would be it. But yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of big surprises this year. Okay, biggest disappointment. And I get to lead off with this. Um I'm gonna try to show a little grace tonight. Because the Kansas City Chiefs professional move are the world champions. And yes, there was a time where there was major disappointment at the tackle position. Cam Irving ruined October. The whole month. I think it was October. I, I think it was October when it happened. And, you know, he 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 stepped on Patrick Mahomes' ankle. He re-aggravated. He was part of the worst stretch of the Chiefs season. They probably made the right decision to move on from Eric Fisher, or uh, from Cameron Irving. I'm sorry. They probably made the right decision to move on from him. Um, I, I don't want to hold too much angst at him because his celebrations were top-notch. And he ended the, he ended his time with the Chiefs on a high note. You know, dancing with with Damian Williams, being part of the celebration with Andy Reid. Best of luck to Cameron Irving. You also caused me a lot of pain earlier in 2019. You also ruined Martinez Rankin's season. Like the moment he what? got on Why the did field. Why you have to bring that up, Craig? <laughs> 
Come on! I'm just saying. Cam Irving, wear that ring proud, but also not not too proud. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, current 2020 outlook, the Chiefs actually have a lot of options at tackle. So they've got, you know, both, both starters returning. Eric Fisher, Mitchell Schwartz is back. Um, you've also got Jackson Barton and, and Greg Snat in the mix for this year. So you've got some guys at tackle, obviously some other guys that can kind of kick outside. You, we talked a little bit about Andrew Wiley, Martinez Rankin, potentially those guys all have some tackle experience as well. They're well set there. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how the, you know, the backups kind of shape up. Uh, but you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the Chiefs do address, you know, the, the future of this position in the draft let's go ahead and talk about that draft real quick here. Um, let's give out our favorite prospects at the tackle position, Maddie. So, I mean, I think the biggest kind of surprise favorite guy, anyone who has bought the KC Draft Guide's probably seen this name pop up earlier than they expected, Prince Tega Wanago out of Auburn. He played left tackle there. He's big guy, six foot five, over 300 pounds, but he moves really smoothly for a guy that size. He was actually a big basketball player growing up. He's from, I believe it was Nigeria, and I don't want to say that and be completely wrong, but I think that's where I believe it is. And he came over playing soccer, playing basketball. That's how he got through high school decided he wanted to play football. He put on over 100 pounds in his time at Auburn. That athleticism still shows up. He's still figuring out how to use his hands and his feet in unison. He has some definite body control issues. Maybe is a little slow out of his stance at times, but once he gets moving, he's got loose hips. He's flexible. He can really drive guys off in the uh, run game, and he's still hitting his set points, getting used to hitting the right set points and pass protection. But there's such a high ceiling with him that if he gets everything going together, and it's just the, the general body control and functional football play that's holding him back right now. The overall athleticism is outstanding. I'd love to see the Chiefs get him late on day two if he's falling without any medical checks or athletic testing for him. Yeah, we're very obviously very high on uh, on Prince Tiga Wanugu. Another guy that we're, we're higher on than I, I don't know if we're higher on than most, but we're pretty high on uh, and we, we like a lot is Makai Becton out of, LS, uh, or out of uh, Louisville. He's our tackle one. And I have zero qualms whatsoever making him our tackle one. Um, he's such an interesting prospect for me personally. I know Maddie put him as a my guy, and I get why. There's just not very many pl- people built like him. It's just it's not a common frame that you see with a Makai Becton. Six seven, over three hundred sixty pounds, and he moves at a rare level that guys his size do not move. Um, some of his film is, is is the most enjoyable you're going to watch. He was throwing dudes out the club every week. The man is a, he's a people mover, but he's also a mover himself. He's he's got promise as as a guy that can, you know, he's not just he's not Orlando Brown. He's like if Orlando Brown was an athlete. I think the sky's the limit for this kid. He's working with Duke Bennyweather this offseason as he develops. I think that's massive for him, um, continuing to develop technically, because obviously he's not a perfect prospect, but what you're doing is you're looking at the developmental arc, the, the speed at which he's been able to develop, and you're looking at the raw ability, and it's special. I think this guy has a chance to be a generational left tackle, and I'm unashamed in saying that. I really believe in Makai Becton. Uh, my guy is somebody who's gotten a little bit of round one buzz kind of out of the blue a few weeks back. And I watched him and I, I kind of get why. Uh, Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State, a guy that can just straight up move. 
Uh, he is one of the faster offensive tackles in the class. He looks really, really, really good in space. He looks very comfortable dropping. Now, he's not the strongest guy. He doesn't play with a ton of power. But as far as a movement ability and ability to kind of get out in front on screen passes, ability to, you know, kind of mirror some speed rushers, be able to drop far enough to contain those guys, he is a very good tackle in that regard. So you see some teams near the bottom of round one that have been rumored to like him the Packers are one of those. So a guy that might sneak up into round one, he had a he had very fun tape. I really enjoyed watching him. All right, let's go ahead and move to the best fit in the draft. And this is a guy, Craig, I believe that the Chiefs have met uh, per, with per reports. It's uh, yeah. Sadiq Charles out of LSU. Yes, I believe he had a formal interview at the Combine. Those are usually reserved for guys that, you know, maybe they want to find out a little bit more about a character issue or intelligence or something like that. Charles missed several games for LSU throughout the course of the season through various suspensions and things like that. And we talked about him a little bit before. I'll let Maddie to go into the details a little more, but he is a roller coaster. He will have some supremely high, high, high quality reps that you just think, wow, that's top level offensive tackle stuff. And then he'll follow it up the next snap with the absolute worst play that you could possibly imagine him making. So he's just a little bit of a roller coaster that needs some refinement. But I do think his movement skills, his size, everything like that do fit really well with the Chiefs. Right, Matty? Yeah, and he actually has met with the Chiefs twice. He had the formal at the Combine. I do believe they had a virtual interview with him. Like, I guess it's unlimited now, but I assume it's still considered formal with him afterwards. So either something went good or they need to clear something else up. But he's a little on the smaller side, I think, for an Andy Reid offensive tackle coming only six foot four and that right on the cusp 33-inch arm length. So I do think there's a chance that he would get kicked inside to guard for the Chiefs. But that's only a bonus when you have a team like the Chiefs who loves to play their interior offensive linemen, have tackle experience. But even outside, Charles, think of the most flexible offensive tackle you've ever seen, and Sidic Charles is more flexible. This guy has the most bend you can see out of any tackle, any offensive lineman in his hips. He's able to get incredibly low block outside of his frame. The problem is sometimes he's willing to block out of his frame and completely forget that he has feet. Sometimes he forgets that he has hands. There's a lot of technical issues that have to be worked out with him, but just the raw movement ability. And then once he gets his hands on somebody, the play's over. There's plays against Auburn where he mirrors a rusher with his hands latched onto them for five, six seconds as Joe Burrow does his thing. It's like there's clear skills that he has that are very good, but there's also some questions off the field and on the field. And that's why I think you're probably looking at him in round three, four range. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he might wind up being a a, a guard, and like like if he's going to come to Kansas City, he might wind up being a guard. And the reason, you know, the Chiefs aren't probably looking to move on from one of their tackles this year, so they've kind of got it set. Maybe in twenty twenty one, you look a little bit. All right, day three sleeper, Terrence Steele out of Texas Tech. Uh, he's a guy that me and Craig actually got to, to take a look at at the uh, at the Senior Bowl, and uh, I mean, the the man's got really great length i mean he is a long uh he long athlete he moves pretty well for his size i don't think he plays with a consistent anchor and i still don't think he completely understands how to use his length yet i think that's something that you kind of saw a lot especially at the senior bowl um he really wasn't able to utilize his length um to his advantage yet really opened up to the sideline super quick a lot when we were watching but i think what you see is you see a lot of 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 you know raw material to work with 
And I think there's a lot of potential for Terrence Steele still. I think he's a really quality developmental tackle that you take on day three. And I think you legitimately have a chance to hit on something um, with a guy like him in day three. Yeah, on on the first day of the Senior Bowl, Terrence Steele was arguably the best offensive tackle that we saw. He looked really, really, really good. And then some of the players in day two and three figured out that they could just willingly get into his chest because he did not know how to use his length. And so players just routinely did that over and over. And Terrence Steele had no counter for it. And that ended up being kind of his downfall. He looked really bad day two. He looked really bad day three. These are things that they just need to coach out of him because before the players knew how to deal with him, he was a problem. He was able to lock up a lot of these guys. He moved well enough. He did have enough length to do all the stuff that he needed to do at tackle. I just think if you're looking for a project, you could do far worse than the build and the movement skills that Terrence Steele has. All right, we're going to take a break, and we are going to look at the tight end position with our positional review of them right after this. All right, we are doing two positions tonight on our positional reviews. We just got done looking at the tackles. It's time to shift to the tight ends. We're going to start by looking at the 2019 season for the tight end position. Craig, how'd they do? Well, you have the best tight end in the world. Woo! So Take they that, did pretty George well. <laughs> Travis Kelsey was awesome. He really was awesome all year long. Can't, coming into camp, Travis Kelsey was arguably the biggest, most out of shape that we've seen him because <laughs> his offseason, he was hurt. So he wasn't able to work out the same way. But he, we saw how he partied. We saw everything. That's typical Travis Kelsey. I'm not saying he shouldn't do any of that stuff. But when injured, he came in a little heavy. So there were some questions about the way he was going to react and everything like that. No problems at all. Travis Kelsey was phenomenal all year long. He just continued to grow as a tight end. It's hard to argue that he's not one of the best tight ends in this era right now. And he's still got multiple years of his peak play in front of him here. So frankly, between him and a blocking tight end and Blake Bell, the two of them were fine. They did really well on the season. Yeah, anytime you have Travis Kelsey as your tight end, your tight end groups are going to be doing just fine. I'm sorry, that's wrong. Your tight end group is going to be doing great on the year, assuming he doesn't get hurt. Travis Kelsey, but there's games this year where he completely took over like he does every year, and then he's consistent on top of it. I mean, he's everything the the tight end position kind of supposed to be right now. I know everyone still wants the Rob Gronkowski's, which is fine to want that, but I think Travis Kelsey has been just as valuable to the Chiefs over the time that Rob Gronkowski was the same guy for the Patriots. He's still playing at a high level. The Chiefs are struggling to find a tight end too, but the way they're using him right now is mostly your tight end too is a blocking tight end, and then he's there to catch wide open, you know, flat passes from Patrick Mahomes when nobody else is open. Blake Bell was fine. He was okay at that. They could see some improvement there, but nothing to be, nothing real negative to say about the group as a whole. Yeah, you, I think overall you got to be satisfied with what you got out of the position. Um, and obviously, Travis Kelsey, I, I love the swag from Craig Stout. <laughs> Yeah, they he's and he's just just he's going to continue to do what he's doing. I mean, he's got Patrick Mahomes to to throw him the football and I don't think I'll see that any, that slowing down anytime soon. All right, the biggest surprise at the tight end position, Maddie. The biggest surprise to me was simply the fact that Dion Yelder could not take snaps away from Blake Bell. 
I think that Yelder, the little bit of time he had, clearly was a more dynamic receiver. I don't think that he's a terrible blocker. Maybe Blake Bell's a little bit more sound, but Deion Yelder's a capable blocker, just like Blake Bell, and he just looked more dynamic. I thought we'd see a little bit more of a split between those two, but it was clearly Blake Bell as the obvious tight end, too, with Deion Yelder only getting snaps in emergency situations. My biggest surprise has nothing to do with the 2019 season. It's the fact that the Chiefs don't just want to give John Lovett the tight end two job next year. <laughs> give the man the job. He's, he deserves it. We deserve an age back. We deserve a blocking dude up front. Just, just let the man have the job. So this is really frustrating because uh, we're going to move on to biggest disappointment. It's my turn to go to biggest disappointment. And your biggest surprises, boys, were two disappointments that I wanted to address. <laughs> I, you know what? My biggest disappointment, I don't care. I'm going to reiterate what both of you said and just going to try to do it a little differently. Okay, you do it, superstar. Oh, shut up, Craig. <laughs> I am disappointed. We got to be careful. If we step on his toes too much, we might get the axe. Right? I know. He, he does have control over this. You got to let him lead. You guys done? Mm-hmm. We good? We good now? Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. My biggest disappointment is that Dion Yelder, he of one of the first lottery ticket articles I ever writ, wrote, written, written, I've ever written. Wow, that's bad. Um, I didn't get, I didn't get to, you know, I we didn't get to see him very much. We didn't get to see, you know, he had a couple big catches. I mean, he looked like, I thought Detroit was going to be like, it was like, is this the Dion Yelder game? Is this the game? Is this the come, the come out for him where all of a sudden we're just integrating this, you know, pass catcher into the into the mix here. That's better than Blake Bell. You know, out of the you know out of his routes and no, it was like it was just a flash in a pan. It was a one hit wonder. And yeah, I'm also disappointed that we didn't get to see uh, John Lovett anymore. And and it sounds like they're not really they're not really accommodating him very much by bringing Anthony Sherman back either. Thank you for humoring me for just reiterating everything you guys just said. My my biggest disappointment disappointment is myself for angering you, Kent. I'd like to apologize right now. I I did just please please keep Maddie and I on here. We we don't we don't want to get the axe. Craig is loving. I promise us. I'll get your coffee order correct next time. I, I promise. I said two splendors. <laughs> you you would put Splenda no, in your coffee. <laughs> I just, I literally, I drink it black, but I had to find something. And Splenda <laughs> seemed like a fun bit. That's all. Okay. All right, the current outlook for the 2020 tight end position. Um, no Blake Bell. He's signed with the Dallas Cowboys. Dion Yelder's back as an exclusive, right? Or uh, as a restricted free agent. Uh, obviously, Travis Kelsey's back. Nick Kaiser is in the mix. They signed Ricky Seals-Jones this week. I wrote a little blurb on him. This is tight ends, not wide receivers, Kit. Huh? Oh, oh, yes, I'm sorry. People got really excited about Ricky Seals Jones. Uh, just real quick, my guy needs to learn how to block still. Like, he's got a long way to go. He still looks like a receiver. He was a receiver convert, um, he was a really highly thought of recruit. Uh, when he got to the NFL, he was, um, they asked him to try to play tight end because he's a massive receiver he's just too big to be a receiver um he's got a lot of work to do as a blocker he's never played more than 34 percent of the special team snaps in, in a season that he's played in uh blake bell played in 50 percent of the snaps last year just a couple thoughts to think about he's got an uphill battle be tied into he's prime candidate for the 
cameo appearances like that Dion Yelder had last year. Like that's his best bet. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the drafts and our favorite prospects at the tight end position. Maddie, you kick us off. Well, since I don't have to worry about fit with the favorite prospect, it's Bryson Hopkins for me out of Purdue. I think he's one of the only tight ends in this class that has the size to really be a mismatch option and also has an NFL-ready route tree for a tight end. He can run the full tight end route tree. He can run up the seams. He can do your stuff in the red zone. He still is athletic enough to get out into space in the flats, run some crossing routes. Like He can do everything that you're going to ask a modern tight end to do. He's not the best blocker. He's okay at blocking in space. He's not an inline kind of guy, so I don't know if he'd make the most sense for Kansas City. But I just like what he brings as a receiver and the fact that he's so pro-ready with what he knows how to do as a receiver in terms of cutting in and out of his breaks, dropping his hips to make these hard breaks, getting up and vertical. You do deal with some drop issues from him, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, he got a little bit better at it his last year in college. And I like the way he attacks the ball when he's in contested situations. I just think he's the most polished receiving tight end by far this year. Uh, my guy is Josiah DeGuara from Cincinnati. Uh, it's a guy that we, another guy we got to see at the Senior Bowl. The Senior Bowl really has been very valuable for us this year, especially with the lack of information out there. Um, I really enjoyed watching Des- Josiah DeGuara play, kind of in uh, preparation for the Senior or for you know for the Senior Bowl and all this stuff. I got to watch him a little bit, and then I got to see him at the Senior Bowl, and he's an undersized, he's an undersized tight end. I mean, he's not one of those guys. He's not a big dude. Uh, he might wind up falling more under one of those H roles, H back type roles, because he's six two. He's six two, two hundred forty pounds. But I think he moves really well. Um, he had a he had a pretty solid performance at the Senior Bowl. Um, he's good in and out of his routes. He's good down the field, uh, and I think he's a capable blocker. He, I don't know if he's going to be. Um, he's, he's probably going to kind of be a niche role. He's not going to ever be a true tight end one. He's probably going to be an H back. Like that's probably his route, but I think there is a lot to like about his game. Um, and I don't know if he's necessarily a great fit for the chief. Cause like, I mean, he's just going to be competing for with, you know, John Lovett and Anthony Sherman, probably for a fullback role more, more than likely, uh, or some kind of like, you know, d- diverse, you know, fullback role, but that's not happening. We know that's not happening now, but I really liked what I saw to Josiah DeGuara. Yeah, my guy is not small. Uh, Adam Troutman <laughs> out of Dayton, 6'5", 255, and he can move. Another Senior Bowl guy. Uh, the Senior Bowl, arguably, their best group might have been their safety group. And Adam Troutman was routinely beating these guys on these one-on-one matchups. You know, just really kind of torching some of the better-looking guys on the on the day. He got the best of Jeremy Chin a couple of times. And that's a guy that people are talking about as a late day one, maybe day two kind of guy. Adam Troutman looked really really good and he's got so much growth ahead of him he he needs so much refinement as a player and guys former basketball player we know how tight ends who are former basketball players work out all of them literally all of them are good at the nfl level we know this to be true 100 but no he he's just really good at the catch point really good mover i i don't know how he'd fit with the chiefs but he was really fun to watch and he was one of my favorite guys to watch there in the tight end group at the senior bowl all right let's go talk about the best fit in the draft matthew So when we're talking about best fit, I think we kind of talked about it already. It seems like the Chiefs are pretty set, and this goes back to Demetrius Harris, and then you got it with Blake Bell. They want a blocking tight end as their second tight end. So when you're looking at the best fit right now, I think you either have to go one of two ways. It's got to be a guy to replace Travis Kelsey in a couple years if you're willing to be the person to make that decision. 
I'm not, so my best fit's a tight end too. And I'm looking at Dalton Keene out of Virginia Tech. He's a big guy at 6'4", over 250 pounds. Virginia Tech had absolutely no clue how to use him. You could see that he was a solid athlete when he got out of the space. He approaches the ball well. They just didn't know how to use him whatsoever. So the receiving production's very limited. You don't have a lot to look at in terms of like how he's going to translate to the NFL besides designing plays specifically for him. But as a blocker, he is a guy that kicks butt he is he will block a guy into the ground he will then drive him further into the ground he will take a guy into the third row of the stands when he gets their hands on him you got to clean up his technique as a blocker but he just has the desire and the size to do so so he could take over that blake bell kind of role and just have a lot more upside as a receiver for the chiefs all right let's go ahead and look at a day three sleeper at tight end for the kansas city chiefs maddie Essentially take the exact same thing I just said about Dalton Keene and you get it with Ben Ellison out of North Dakota State. This is one for our guy, Jacob Morley, big North Dakota State fan. He kind of pointed him out. He's a very good blocker. If anyone's watched them, they know it's a run heavy team. So he just does not get a lot of receiving options. I will say when they did throw him the ball, he showed really good hands. He had a few catches outside of his frame. He looked like a guy that if you throw him the ball, he's going to catch it. I just don't know what you're getting from him in terms of as a receiver. He doesn't look like the athlete that Keen is. He's also coming from a smaller school, so he's definitely a day three undrafted free agent guy. But as a blocker, he is steady. He is solid. And when you do throw him the ball, he more than likely comes down with it. I think Chiefs fans would love that kind of stuff after coming off Demetrius Harris with his drops and Blake Bell's just complete inability to contribute as a pass catcher. All right, that is going to do it for the Wednesday episode. We tried to get a couple positions knocked out this week. We will be back on Friday with the AP Draft Show. Thanks for listening to us. Catch you later. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today 